Well, hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to this uh, series we're doing on conflict resolutions for deliberate conversations. This is episode two, uh, where we're going to be covering marriage conflicts. I know uh, with the guys here that are in the room tonight, we are uh, experts in this um, because we know how to avoid it. Right, guys? Oh, I thought you meant because we knew how to create it. Oh, no, no. Um, yeah, that was said tongue-in-cheek, trust me. Uh, so last week, uh, for our first episode, we, we went over what causes conflict and then some responses to that. Uh, we were working off of uh, Stuart Scott's definition of conflict, and it's, it's important for us to remind ourselves uh, that conflict is not simply just a difference of opinion, uh, with someone or disagreeing with someone about whether Clemson's going to win any games or not this year. That's not conflict. Um, conflict, as he describes it, is ungodly conflict then is when both parties sin against one another in their communication and or their actions and are then in opposition to one another. So it's gone beyond just a difference of opinion. Uh, it's gone beyond just you know disagreeing with someone. It's actually gone into sinful behavior. We actually went over that in James 4, uh, where James tells us what causes conflicts. Uh, conflicts come from the evil desires that are waging war within us. Uh, and that's what leads, um, as followers of Christ, that's what leads us uh, into conflict. So, uh, as I said, tonight we're going to discuss conflicts in marriage. Um, to me, it's one of those crazy things because the most intimate of all human relationships uh, can have some of the most damaging and some of the most hurtful uh, comments can happen within uh, that marriage relationship. So our hope and prayer tonight is is that this will be helpful and that it will help us uh, try to avoid this and if we need to, to repent and, and all those other things. So uh, my name is Bob Harding. We've got Phil Price, Steve Green, and Frankie Creel tonight here with Deliberate Conversations. So let's start discussing about conflicts in marriage. Let me ask you this. Uh, this isn't on, we've got a little cheat sheet in front of us. This isn't in on our cheat sheet. Can you guys remember when was the first conflict you had in your marriage? Hopefully it wasn't within 30 minutes of saying I do. Oh, this is a good one. Um, I'll, I'll share my first major conflict after we were married. We had just come off our honeymoon, spent a week in the mountains. It was great. Learned a lot about each other. And then um, I had one year of college to finish up. So we left South Carolina and were headed back up to Wisconsin and spent the night, or we were, we were driving. So from South Carolina to Wisconsin, we spent the night in Indiana with some friends <clears throat> and then took off the next morning to head all the way up to northern Wisconsin to where college was. And, you know, the old-time Garmin GPS, it's like you it somehow connected to a satellite without wireless 5G, whatever it was. Um, so there's a little feature on there that you can change the little icon from a car to a monster truck or to an eagle or to a bicycle. <laughs> so I knew it had that feature. And as we were driving that day, leaving Indiana, heading up to 
northern Wisconsin, I knew that that feature was on there. So Sarah falls asleep somewhere in the middle of the morning and she's she's sleeping in the passenger seat. I'm driving. I push a few buttons and change the icon to the bicycle. So we're headed up towards Chicago. This isn't going to end well, I can just tell. And I'm already trying to figure out how they're still married. <laughs> yeah. this is yeah. the, the basis of our argument exactly. is an icon on a GPS. <laughs> no, 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 wait, wait. So unbeknownst to me, I didn't just change the icon. I changed the route. So it's not, it's now changed the bicycle. Route. Garmin is not following a car route, which will follow the highway, you know, through Chicago. <laughs> it's following bypass. a bicycle route. So it's taking me down these side streets of Chicago and we're like, what, what is going on? Like the, the highway's there. I'm pretty sure it should be there, but the Garmin's telling me to go over here and stay off the highway. Like I'm aiming my car towards the highway and the Garmin's telling me, no, get away from the highway because it's. And yeah, we that was our our first major fight until we figured out what was going on and wow. then we changed it back and then we actually got to where we so were. So if you had done like the monster truck, would it have like taken you over over the overpasses and through the fields and everything? Probably like through that? a couple houses or something. I'm I'm not sure. You would have wow. to stop the, the red eagle. lights. What if you just, yeah, go? just go right through. I'm pick, glad pick the eagle and you'd flying over. There. I'm glad Garmin fixed that. That's uh pretty amazing. No, but, um to her credit, Sarah fixed that. She fixed the Garmin, so we actually made it to where we were going that's, in one piece. Wow. Well, that's nothing. All right, Phil. That's nothing, Steve. Bring our, first, it. our first argument, I think we we did make it through our honeymoon without uh, getting upset with each other, and uh, we got into our first apartment, and our, our first argument was over a ham sandwich. Wow. Um, Debbie came from a large so, family, yeah. <laughs> a very, very large family, and they were very frugal when they made sandwiches. So if you had a piece of ham, you would cut it in half just enough to cover the bread. Okay, I came from a smaller family, and we three or four pieces. You know, the idea that I would put three or four pieces of a ham on a ham sandwich was abhorrent to her. That was wasteful and gluttonous. And um, well, you should her. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, I uh, I made it my way, and um, and wow. uh, forty eight hours later, we weren't talking. So uh, yeah. oh, wow. <laughs> wow, it was a it was like, and and let's face it, the the worst arguments that we have often start over the stupidest things. Oh, definitely, mm-hmm. but That's true. you know, I rare, yeah. rarely important important things usually handle well. It's the dumb things that um, that turn into ugly situations. Mm. I don't think I've ever done anything stupid. I'm trying to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What, Frank, in the last five line. minutes? Or... <laughs> this is honest, deliberate conversation. Yeah. yeah. I'm, honestly, I'm trying to figure out, like, think in my mind, like, what was our first. Hang on. I'm going to I'm gonna call I'm gonna, Melanie. Call her. I mean, it's like one of those things. Like, I'm sure there's like something stupid that I, that I did uh, within 20, 30 minutes of us saying I do that, that caused an argument, but. I mean, man, geez. I really, like, I'm drawing such a blank. Yeah, see, I'm, I know when it happened, I, but I don't remember the specifics of what it was. Ours, um, Christy and I are so much alike. We're just very chill. So it wasn't until our firstborn came along that we really had our first major conflict or disagreement with each other it wasn't over ham and, and Phil, i wasn't phil and i are both 
looking at each other like, what took you so long? I know. Well, <laughs> or, so, or like, do you, oh, trust am- me. do you have amnesia? Because I really <laughs> doubt you went to your first child to so, have your first argument. Well, I can tell you the first time I absolutely literally ticked my wife off. That Does that work? All right. So I'll try to say this very briefly. It was when we were expecting our first child. This is the one that I can remember. And if you ask Christy, this will be the one that she will also uh, point to. And so uh, she was going through morning sickness and back up one step. We always used to make homemade pizza was, you know, we're two married kids basically and very dirt poor. And so that was our fun Friday night thing was to make pizza. And so, but she got to anything that was Italian just did not sit well with her, but she was extremely gracious and we would still make pizzas and I would eat it for dinner Friday night and lunch on Saturday and maybe even Saturday dinner. Um, So one morning I got up, I did find that if she had oatmeal, uh, she would do just fine uh, and be able to get up. Morning sickness was not a problem. So I went up and made oatmeal and then I thought, wow, this would be kind of funny. And so there was some orange food coloring that was in the pantry, and I just put some drops that were in it into the uh, oatmeal and brought it in, and Christy's eating it, and I'm feeling like, you know, man, I'm super husband. This is great. Look at my wife. She's going to be singing my praises. Well, she asked me, what are these, what's in this? I said, well, there was some leftover pepperoni from last night, and I just thought I'd throw it in. Well, she didn't even make it to the bathroom, and so I'm cleaning up a mess on the floor, and she was not happy. So, there you go. Moron alert. (laughs) Exactly. I haven't done that since, by the way. Uh, No, so that was our first... That's called wisdom. Yeah, yeah. Well, what what I did was called stupidity, but yeah, or childishness. So, I I texted Melanie, so what was our first conflict after we were married or fight? She goes, I don't know. That was like 20 years ago. So... (laughs) Hey, we forgive. We forgive well. Well, there you go. So, <laughs> so you're going to be answering all the questions tonight, then, of how to get beyond this and what real forgiveness actually looks like in our lives. So that's that's cool. I'm really sure it was something stupid, like a. I mean, it wasn't a ham sandwich, but I, I'm willing to bet it was like washing the dishes. Who's washing the dishes, or something to that effect? Because when we first moved in together, we moved into a small duplex. You know, we didn't have a dishwasher. We yep. didn't have. I mean, none of the modern conveniences of life so that would be my guess like if i had to guess i had to do something cleaning the house sure sure all right so we've all experienced conflict in our relationships but it's interesting as you guys have been talking one thing that stood out to me was it started over something that was pretty mundane or completely innocuous uh, but it escalated into not being talked to for 48 hours, you know, wanting to leave somebody in Chicago and go to, you know, northern Wisconsin by themselves uh, or whatever. Uh, and so it it's usually starts with something that's small. Uh, and then we allow that to just kind of simmer for a while. And usually for me, uh, if Christy did not get upset with the very first stupid thing I did, it was an accumulation of those things that eventually got her to the point where um, it would draw something else that may come up. She's been carrying all this other stuff with her uh, in her emotionally and all that stuff, and it would end up into a major blow up and a conflict. I think the for me, like the ham sandwich was not a problem, right? It was just an opportunity to release the conflict that's within. So James centers the conflict, not outside of us, not with a ham sandwich or with mm. my wife or even the 
it, even the arguing between us, the conflict is is centered directly inside of me, where it says, "What where do wars and fights come from? Mm-hmm. Is it not that you desire to have and you can't have it?" Um, so, I wasn't getting what I wanted at any point in time, and the ham sandwich was just an opportunity to vent on that situation. Frankie's sitting there making faces. No, just, I think it's. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you, Phil, after getting that argument. You just sitting there eating that whole pack of hips. <laughs> wow. <Sure. laughs> well, the the author of Hebrews actually has a, a warning for us as followers of Christ. He says, "See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God; that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble." And by it, many become defiled. So uh, the author of Hebrews uh, touches on that, that it's those little things that we let accumulate that the root of bitterness, you know, gets its you know roots into the ground or roots into us, and then that's where we end up uh, in trouble. So a couple questions uh, that we have here regarding uh, conflicts uh, within marriage. My spouse is constantly pointing out my failures and ignoring theirs. How do I help them see their faults while not ignoring my own? Uh, I mean, I think there's a good question in there and a bad question in there. Um, if you think about what Christ said about our faults and, uh, you know, examining the um, speck in our, or the uh, beam in our own eye before we can see clearly to remove the specks from someone else's. So I think it's appropriate to say, how do I help them um, see their faults while not ignoring my own? I think they have it reversed, is deal with your faults first, and then you'll see clearly to help someone else. But Mm -hmm. but often um, we want to correct the fault in someone else before we see our own. And it is amazing that once you take care of your own problem, your own issue, your side Mm. of the street, so to speak, the other fault, the faults of the other person seem to decrease in size and magnitude. Excellent. Any other comments on that? Wow. I mean, I think, I think Phil hit it pretty well. I mean, there, um, worry about yourself kind of deal. And then, I mean, but like, I really think this is a really, like, you said it was kind of a really a bad question and a good question. I really feel like it is. Because it's all about, it's really all about this person. Mm. My spouse is constantly pointing out my failures and mm. ignoring theirs. So the, the, the attention's pushed off on them for the, how do I help them see their faults? I mean, so it's really right. not a great question to ask. <laughs> you know, you should be asking how do, how do I, you know, how do I improve? How do I become more Christ-like? Yeah. How do I, you know, if you want to ask questions sure. in that sense, but I mean, I'm, that's not driving the fact that I know there is conflict in the relationship when it comes to, you know, a constant nagging or sure feeling like, and so you just have a, have to have a conversation. Well, I think we yeah. talked about this, a deliberate conversation with yeah. uh, your, your spouse. Yeah. Cause I was gonna say, if we, if we change it a little bit and said, my spouse is constantly pointing out my failures and we could add, and I confess that sin with them, but they ignore their own. Uh, you know, like when I try to point out theirs, they're completely ignoring it or they just brush it off or whatever. So uh, what will we do in that instance if, 
you know, we're doing the right thing. Let's say that, you know, Christy is constantly, you know, and for her, this would be a 24 seven job, which really is, you know, saying, Hey, Bob, you need to work on this. You need to work on this. Or I see this, or I see that. And I confess that. Uh, but in turn, I'm like, okay, that's good. And probably not good to say it at the very same time, but wait and say, Hey, I see this in your life, but they, you know, either ignore it, just brush it off or make it like it's not that big of a deal. What do we do at that point? I think there's several, several things that you want to do. Number one, you want to pray, you know, you're, what you're, what you're looking for is a a way to change your spouse into your image of what your spouse should Mm. be. And that may not be what God's doing right at that moment. So obviously, if there's a, a conflict where there's any type of violence or abuse or anything like that, then you get help immediately. Sure, sure. You, know, you immediately reach out to someone that can help you. Um, if it's a sin issue that doesn't fall in that category, then you follow what the scriptures specifically say. It doesn't matter whether you're married or not. If someone sins against you, you go to them, you 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 confront them with that sin in love, you know, and humility. And if they refuse to respond, then you go and get some help. And uh, mm-hmm. whether that's an elder or another family member, and you, you follow through the process that mm. Christ outlined in Matthew 18. Hmm. But um, <clears throat> again, you know, the first thing you want to do is look at yourself and realize you can't control your spouse, um, but you can control yourself. So I often feel like in arguments I'm 90% or I'm I'm 90% right and my wife is 10% right you know I'm 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 more right than she is but as I start looking at myself and and dealing with it I find out that well you know what maybe I'm a little bit more than maybe maybe I'm 90 maybe I'm 90% wrong and um and it really when when you look at things differently and start looking at yourself the your whole perspective flips mm. and you can you can see things that um Things that used to be problems now look like uh, vulnerabilities uh, in your wife, you mm. know, or in your spouse, mm-hmm. and um, and that's really helped me to just concentrate on my own issues, um, and and the issues of my spouse tend to shrink at that point. I th- I think you said something key at the very beginning. You said that a lot of times we are looking to the the shape our spouse into the image that we have, what we deem. Um, what we deem as what we want our spouse to look like. Right. So we're trying to, we're trying to create our spouse into our mold and that's not the mold we should be hoping to shape our spouse into. We want to shape them into the, what Christ has called our spouse to be shaped into. Right. And so that, you know, we got to, I think that's a good, a good point. We need to, how, how, how am I? Cause that goes back to being selfish. It goes back to James Ford, right? You know, it's all about me, me being selfish when that's not what our we're called to when we're called to love our spouse we're called to love them selflessly not right. selfishly so mm-hmm. um so we, i mean how do, how are we looking at you know i think that's the root of the part of the part of the problem is am, am i trying to shape my spouse into what i want them to be instead of what christ wants them to be mm. that's a good point it seems the the question kind of presupposes um it presupposes my own perspective yes on how it is like do i perceive that my wife or my spouse is actually concerned about or working on the faults that they have i mean to even even if i to the best of my ability am trying to 
fix the faults that I have in my own life and, you know, through, you know, whatever it is, self-discipline or accountability, trying to better myself to where my faults are, you know, not as big as they are, obviously. Um, it's, it's a matter of perception as am I, am I seeing my wife putting the effort into her faults that I think she should put in? And now you have to understand that my perspective on how much effort she should put in is totally arbitrary. That is totally based off, you know, my own perspective. That is not, um, a rational standard at all. So, um, there's got to be a lot of communication and a lot mm. of grace in that moment or in, in that situation because um, you're dealing with one person's perspective versus another person's perspective. And as as I view it and as my wife views it, maybe I view it as I'm putting in all the effort and she's giving none of the effort and it's the complete opposite from mm-hmm. her perspective. Like there you you've got to you've got to slow down and talk through those mm-hmm. have have a lot of a lot of conversations and be open in your communication because um bringing two people together in a close intimate relationship like that is never easy because you're two very different people and that's that's what marriage is and I, I was going to say I have to assume in this where they're talking about pointing out my failures they're not talking about sin you know it's like uh, you know bob you constantly leaving your dirty clothes on the floor or you know you're leaving the that's wet sin, bob. oh <laughs> no wonder i'm in so much trouble all the time uh or you know you you know didn't run the dishwasher or whatever it is you know those are failures and not necessarily sins and so i'm assuming that that's what they're talking about here and not you know, having to address sinful behavior in somebody's life. And so, uh, I, as we said earlier, I think, um, or Phil said it, not we, but Phil said it, that being able to uh, discern, is it something that's in, you know that we really do need to address, or is it something, as it says in Proverbs 19.11, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Um, how, you know, we need to... Pardon the pun, but decide what hills to die on, or where where to where to where to where to actually fight. Uh, and if it's something like you had three pieces of ham instead of one, uh, or you <laughs> changed the Garmin, or I made my wife, you know, sick. Um, you know, are, are, is that something that we need to, in maturity in Christ, we need to get to the point where we can overlook that, where it isn't that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. And that's why we were laughing about these things earlier. Cause we now have the beauty of hindsight to say yeah. that wasn't that big of a deal. And, but we did make it a big deal. I had someone asked me one time, do you remember an argument you had in June of uh, 2016? And I was like, no, I can't remember any. I don't remember June of 2016. I said, do you think the argument that you had last night with your wife is going to be important? Six years from now, Ooh, you know, ouch! You know, we we get all upset about little things again. Yes, um, and yet, and yet, would it have been okay for us to have lost that argument? Would it have been okay for our point not to have been made? Mm. You know, would it have been okay for the other person to quote unquote win? You know, we we tend to fight 
um, just because of her own sense of pride and, and sure. you know, uh, ego. And, yeah, it um, seems it seems so justified in the it moment. It does at the moment, yes, in the moment, and and yet a, a year from now, or six months from now, or even a week from now, you won't even remember this, and yet you chose to hurt your spouse mm. um, because it was so important to you. Yeah. To answer that. Mm. Yeah, and I think it's as it's been said several times, it's the building up of those little things um, that can cause us to end up actually having a major conflict because we've. We're not mature enough to just say that uh, that's silly. Why argue about this? Why even get into any you know disagreement or fight about this? It's not in the grand scheme of things. It's not worth it. Yeah, uh, uh, one thing I've I've learned in um, conflicts with people in general, not necessarily my spouse, is that a lot of triggers for an initial conflict come from a vast array of situations mm. it's like i have a background or i i grew up in a certain way my my parents raised me in a certain way i had this situation happen to me as a child i had this situation happen to me in high school and all of these things shape me to understand the world in a certain way so when say bob or phil comes across my path and they approach it in a certain way which is totally natural for them to do. I understand it in a completely different mm. way. And I, I just sense that, Oh, Hey, Bob said this, well, he's totally against me in this moment. And I'm going to fight that. It's, it's a, it's not necessarily a rational choice. It's, it's simply functioning out of instinct, like a fight or flight type sure. uh, scenario where like, I'm. I'm going to make this conflict because he did this. And from my backstory, that means I'm under attack. So I'm going to fight back, mm -hmm. which may not necessarily be the case. So understanding the person you're, you're dealing with and quite honestly, going into your own backstory and figuring out why you react in specific ways to specific situations, I think is super important to, um, well, in, in my own experience with, with, uh, my own marriage relationship, understanding how my wife functions and how her personality influences the decisions that she makes and the words that she says and the way she does things impacted me greatly when I understand how I personally function with my own personality and mm. like understanding how those two dynamics work together. It's like, Oh, you said this, this way. Normally I would take that as offensive, but now I understand you and I understand what you're trying to communicate through that. So it's may, maybe picture a bridge of, Hey, you're on this side. I'm on this side and you respond this way. I'm going to cross the bridge and try and figure out what you're actually trying to say mm. instead of interpreting it through my own just instinctive reactions. Sure. And, and what you're saying actually goes back to what James says. Again, what causes the conflicts, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, my own it's, my, it's my pride inside because I know what's right and at least what I think I know is what's right. right. And so right. when you see it as a different way, as you said, then all of a sudden that's an affront to me and the way I normally see these things. And so again, 
James is right. It's coming from the sinful desires and the pride that's within us is what leads to that type of uh, situation where we are uh, fighting. All right. Need to move on quickly on this one. All right. So one more. Uh, We're constantly fighting over little things and nothing seems to be working. Um, This person asked, when do I turn to get outside help? I mean, they're working on it. They're constantly fighting over little things. Nothing seems to be helping with that. What do they do? When is it appropriate for them to to turn to outside help? Sounds to me like they're already there. If they if they're to the point where they don't know what else to do, that indicates that they have they have tried various things to to work it out. Whether they've been healthy or helpful things, I don't know. You can't tell from the question, but. If you're to the point where you're at the end of your resources, then it's time to seek some help. Okay. Even if it's just a a friend or uh, someone that you, you know, trusted counselor or or pastor or elder. I think, yeah, I think, I mean, if you're the place where every little thing is just getting on your nerves and bothering you about your spouse and, I mean, yeah, you you need to talk. I mean, I think a lot of it goes back to some of what Steve was saying a little while ago. I mean, learning how to communicate with one another, I think, is vital. Mm-hmm. If, if I really try to think back to Melanie and I's first true argument, it was probably about how to argue. Um, and and it, because Melanie is the type who wants to avoid conflict, yeah, and so she's not going to fight. And whereas. And so that's how she grew up, right? So that's kind of the, the experience that she saw and how she lived. And so she avoids conflict. Mm-hmm. I, on the other hand, grew up in a household that if somebody did something wrong, we'd have a good old-fashioned, let's yell at each other and resolve it. And you worked it. it out. And it's over. And we're, and we're good. You know, we'll, we'll hug it out afterwards. And so when, when, you, when you get married, you know, that, that was the, one of the things me and Melanie had to learn how to, how to communicate because I mm-hmm. would get mad if she did something and I'm wanting to yell and let's get this all over with and get it done. And she would go to her room and shut and lock the door. And I'm like, this isn't helping me and it's not helping you. Sure. And so we had to learn how to communicate with one another. Um, so I think it goes back to us learn how to communicate and talk to our spouse because of everything you said, if, if my spouse is everything she does is getting on my nerves then I've got to go back to Ephesians and, and, and ask myself, sure, yeah. how am I loving my wife like Christ loved the church? I mean, mm-hmm. to me, it, all that goes back to that, right? Yeah. Because if, if everything she does is getting on my nerves and there's something underlying that, there's something selfish in me. That's, so there's got to be a sin issue in your own heart if that's... Right. Yeah. So when I think that goes back to what Steve was saying, you know, you, Melanie's, her, her, her... Past experiences. Build, past experiences, right. her, her, build, her makeup is, you know conflict avoidant um you know let's you know take it easy and your your past experience where hey get it out on the table let's lay it out let's talk about it and let's deal with it um but the problem is we have a subconscious that tells us this is dangerous this is scary this right. is, and so so it's it's not helpful um and and with, without understanding her background and her history right then um you know what seems to be the appropriate response to you is obviously devastating to her. Mm, right. Yeah. In in my situation, um, Sarah and I are the complete opposite of you and Melanie. Like, in, in your situation, I'm Melanie. Right. And naturally, I just avoid conflict. So Sarah's been super healthy for me in that way because, like, she has such a strong sense of justice of, like, 
hey, this. Well, me too. That's why I do it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she she senses this is not right. So right. Let's deal with it. And I'm like, it's not that big of a deal. Let's no, don't worry about it. Sweet so we've we've both grown in that. But if if you're talking about when to turn to turn to outside help, um, first, like, what kind of outside help are you talking about? If you're talking about like your friends and community group and those, your church family, if something's not working in your marriage, then please talk to somebody. Yeah. Yep. Like, and we would have to assume that's probably what they're asking about. I would think. Yeah. So if, if you have a strong church family and, and you think that there's wisdom to be shared there, if what you're trying with your spouse is not working, then yeah, ask a question, like reach out and say, Hey, we're trying this. It's not working. What do you and your spouse do? Um, or yeah, yeah, s- I mean, something. Like, and particularly, and that, this yeah. could be a younger couple. I mean, maybe they can go to an older couple uh, who's been down the road a little bit further, you know, and say, "Hey, we're just fighting about this all the time." And and you know, how did you guys uh, do work through this type of stuff? Yeah, we kind of on that topic when Sarah and I first started our our first community group here at cross life church, we asked Bob and Christy to join our group and to be the elder couple in our group so that we could bounce all those. Well, I'll talk about Bob, not Christy, but yes, the elder (laughs) group (laughs) or the elder couple in our group to, to bounce those kind of questions off because that's, there are, I mean, look around there. There are people who have been through what you've been through. Mm. Um, in, in my own life, I I look at the three of you guys, and you guys have probably been to to places that that I've been. So um, when I come up against you know, a certain situation in my family or in my marriage where it's a conflict, then you've probably experienced either exactly that situation sure. or something similar to where we can learn from each other. So ask asking a friend, uh, a church leader, um, a church community group like somebody yeah get an outside perspective that's that's not a bad thing and it doesn't mean that you're failing in your marriage relationship if you have to ask somebody else for an outside sure. perspective um it's it's not a sign of failure it's actually a sign of of health that you're willing to look outside yourself for an answer to a question yeah great the th- point the thing about blind spots is that we're blind to them you know it's, mm. it's uh, so we don't know that we're missing something with someone else who Maybe, you know, on the same par as you as far as your your age or your experience or whatever, but they're not you. And and so they see things that, that you can't, and they can see them a little less emotionally than you can. And I, I would advise, you know, don't let it get, it seems like this has gone way too long for them to actually be reaching out and, and nothing seems to be working. I would say don't let it get to that point where you're just constantly fighting. Reach out. Um Steve and and Phil both intimated that, you know, we've all been through this. It's not like, um, you know, we're perfect in our relationships. And so we've all been down maybe different roads, but similar roads. And I think it's so important that you don't uh, wait too long to reach out for that help or to have another couple come alongside uh, or to start asking those questions. Uh, It's much easier to do it early than it is to wait. Just like anything else, if you're 
got something that's you know needs repairing in the house, the longer you let it go, usually the more expensive the repair is going to be, the more intense the repair is going to be, and the same thing in our relationships. So the longer that we let things go, uh, the deeper down that rabbit hole we end up going, and it's going to take that much more work to get back out of it. All right, a couple things to kind of wrap this up uh, for marriage. There was an article that uh, we looked at. It was by a retired pastor by the name of William Farley, and he's got some great advice about um, addressing things and not letting them get too far. He's got four points that he makes. He says, and Phil said this early on, which I thought was so great, said, develop an ability to see your own sin through God's eyes. And if we look at how God views sin in my life, uh, and that will sober us up uh, and allow us uh, to work on ourselves first and to look inwardly first before, as um, Phil's quoting in Matthew, so that we're not looking at the splinter that's in my wife's eye when I've got this giant two-by-four that's stuck in my own. Uh, The second thing that he says, and I think this is also important, realize that forgiveness is often more a decision than a feeling. He says we can't control our feelings, but we can control our decisions. All God asks is that we be willing to repeatedly and persistently forgive our spouse's misgivings, realizing we too are sinners. I think that's so important because I've heard people say, well, I just don't feel like forgiving him. Well, that's not what the Bible says. It says we are to forgive. And in the next episode, we're going to get into uh, how Jesus addresses that uh, constantly uh, turning and needing to forgive. The third thing that he says is persevere until feelings follow. Um, And so you just keep on persevering, keep on forgiving, and allow God to work in your heart where you will be able to, um, quoting, Disney film, let it go eventually. All right. Fourthly, he says, be open to the possibility that you're be open to the possibility that your hurt feelings and bitterness are unjustified. And I think that that's a hard one. Uh, when we get so hurt by things, our hurt feelings and our bitterness, I uh, said, so be open to the possibility that might be unjustified. Um, that you're holding on to things that you should not be holding on to. Uh, he says, are you expecting things from your spouse that you have no right to expect? And we touched on that earlier, kind of, you know, putting them in, putting them on a pedestal that God doesn't put them on or require things of them that God does not require things of them, but we are requiring those things of them. He says, we must watch for unreasonable expectations They can lead us to see sin in others where none exist and demand repentance where none is needed. This, too, can lead to devastating bitterness. And that's so true. Uh, I think Steve mentioned it, that, you know, I've got certain expectations, and if they're not met, you know, I'm going to treat that as sin when it may, in all likelihood, isn't even sinful behavior on the other person's part. They just haven't met my expectations. Any comments about that? So that was great. I think he left out number five. Yes, uh, which is when in doubt, buy more ham, <laughs> <laughs> or don't put orange food coloring in oatmeal, <laughs> and make sure you've got an up-to-date Garmin device, and uh, make sure that you have two of the same styles when you're disagreeing with your with your spouse. Uh, the last thing, and this goes for everything, 
really in our walks with Christ is, is look to Jesus, uh, look to him, uh, and pray, um, look to him, uh, and allow him to, first of all, work in your own heart, uh, and then, uh, be patient and continue to pray that God will work in your spouse's heart so that, uh, those conflicts can be resolved. So any final comments about conflict in marriage? God help us. And that's literally true. Please, God, help us. So, yeah. Have humility. Yes, that is just extremely helpful. So, love you guys. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in. And we'll be talking to you during episode three, which is going to be conflicts within the church.